Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that nobody needs to live with chronic insomnia and that evidence-based cognitive and behavioral techniques can help you enjoy better sleep for the rest of your life. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not medical advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease, disorder or medical condition. It should never replace any advice given to you by your physician or any other licensed healthcare provider. Insomnia Coach LLC offers coaching services only and does not provide therapy, counselling, medical advice or medical treatment. The statements and opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily endorsed by Insomnia Coach LLC. All content is provided as is and without warranties, either express or implied. Anifer believed that she was born with insomnia. Sleep was a problem for her for as long as she could remember. Being very health conscious, she spent many of her adolescent years focused on improving her sleep. After years of doing her own research, speaking with health professionals, and taking various supplements and prescription pills, Anifa's insomnia was becoming unbearable. After graduating from college, Anifa decided she needed to address her sleep issues before starting her career in dietetics. Two years ago, she came across my online coaching course and is now here to share her transformation and the ups and downs she experienced on her journey to better sleep and restored sleep confidence. As a nutritionist, Anifa's goal is to help people obtain a healthy lifestyle without the added stress of dieting. Fortunately, she no longer has to contend with the added stress of thinking and worrying about sleep. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. Okay, Anifa, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come onto the podcast. No problem. So let's start right at the beginning. Um, when did your sleep problems first begin? Um, and what was it that you think that caused your initial issues with sleep? So I, uh, I'm pretty sure I was born with sleep issues um, because for as long as I remember, I was always the last person to go to sleep and my parents also suffer from sleep problems and they've been on pills for as long as they can remember. So um, I was pretty certain it was, you know, by birth. Mm. Um, yeah. So it was just, it sounds like it's just something that goes back for as long as you can remember. You just always had this, this kind of sleep disruption. It was just part of who you were. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So would you find that the sleep disruption would just kind of be kind of every night or would it just be bursts where you'd just go through a few weeks of sleep disruption, kind of things would get back on track and then you'd go back to struggling again? Like what was the pattern like? It had no pattern. Um, when I was a kid, I would have random anxiety at night and I would be up all night, you know, panicky that I didn't want to go to bed. Um, and then when I would go to camps, um, every time I would go to like some kind of camp or a vacation um, with a friend or something, it would be the first night was an all nighter pretty much, mm -hmm. even if I was like in second grade or if I was a teenager. And then the second night was kind of iffy. And then after that, like I would almost get used to it and sleep just like everybody else. Um, and then when I went off to college, I would have like weeks of episodes and then it would something random would just let it go back to normal. And then I would have another few weeks of, you know, sleeping three to five hours a night or just pulling all nighters. So, so, I think you just kind of touched upon it there by talking about these all-nighters, but it, what were these sleep difficulties like? Was it more to do with just falling asleep at the start of the night or was it more to do with waking during the night and then finding it hard to fall back to sleep or maybe it was a combination of both of those? 
it was always falling asleep. It was mm -hmm. never an issue of um, waking up in the middle of the night. I was actually jealous of anyone who told me that they had sleep issues and they said that their problem was waking up. I was like, what? You can fall asleep? Mm -hmm. Like, So actually when I started your course, I was a little bit concerned that maybe I wasn't the right um, person for the course. Maybe like it wasn't going to help me because you did include those people who were able to fall asleep but not stay asleep. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> but it did help. So, yeah. So, you know, sleep disruption from time to time is completely normal. Something everyone experiences. What, what makes you, why do you think that it seemed to be more of this ongoing problem for you? Um, like I said, I almost feel like it was because I was born with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of, it's not that I accepted it. I never accepted it, but, um, until your class, but, um, yeah, just seeing that my parents always had issues with it and, um, yeah, I, I just thought that that was the cause. Yeah. You know, that's interesting because some people, I know that people listening, there's going to be a lot of people listening that are going to completely identify with what you're saying. You know, that sleep was something that they've, they've always felt that they struggled with, but they managed to just kind of get by with it, you know, struggle through it. Um, and other people, they would describe themselves as being great sleepers, never had any issue with sleep. And then boom, all of a sudden out of nowhere, insomnia right. kind of struck them you know so yeah um so i think it's helpful to you know just hear everyone's background some people kind of got yeah. this identity of this longer term issue and for other people it's more more out of the blue but regardless you know these evidence-based cognitive and behavioral techniques which we're going to be talking about are helpful in any case right um, and we certainly do see that some people whether it's genetic, we're not, we're still not sure, um, or whether it's just we're more reactive to stress or worry, or um, you know, just more sensitive to changes that are going around on around us, whether that's environmental or just life changes. Um, mm -hmm. We can be a little bit more predisposed to temporary sleep disruption. Um, yeah, and, and and that's just unfortunately how it is for for some of us. But that doesn't mean we have to live with insomnia forever right growing up you know when i would tell my parents like this is a real problem mm. um it was really in high school when i started to be like you know i need a professional and they'd be like no you just need to relax or whatever it was yeah. i don't know what their their answers were i mean they would occasionally become open to you know okay go find someone and i'll you know i'll help you out but um they never took me too seriously because they had that mindset of we deal with it your grandma dealt with it, you know, like, and it was just this thing where you have to accept it. So it's super exciting that um, this is out there, yeah. that you don't have to live. And, and I've said it a million times because I, I'm a dietitian and we say like, yeah, you can fix your genes, like your genes don't paint the whole picture for you, but mm -hmm. it's exciting to have experience that, um, you know, like black and white. A huge difference between I thought I was an insomniac by birth and for life yeah um to now yeah absolutely so so with this in mind you know you would just kind of were this person that which would almost just self-identify as an insomniac this was just part of who you were what then kind of prompted you or led you to think maybe things don't have to be this way. Maybe there is something I can do to improve the situation and enjoy better sleep. Um, I was just rock bottom desperate. Mm -hmm. um, it, it wasn't like a hope that things would um, help. It was more of like, I need something to help because um, I lost a job because I was calling in sick because I couldn't sleep. And I was about to, so I took, I took a couple years off after college and, um, was working just like small jobs that were very like irregular schedule, like hostessing in the evenings at a restaurant. And anyways, if I like one time I went three days without any sleep at all. Um, so it was like three all nighters in a row and I called in sick and I told them it was cause I didn't sleep. And they were like, Oh, you called in sleepy. 
Um, and so they fired me and I was like, okay, well, luckily I was a hostess, but I can't do this when I'm, you know, working at a hospital or in a career job. Um, so I was desperate to find something so that I could, it was for my career. But the ironic thing was me taking evening jobs, uh, was actually kind of adding to the problem because like you said, having a routine and a schedule and being forced to wake up every day at an early mm-hmm. time is part of success. Um, so I thought it was going to be part of the problem for me because I was like, Oh, I don't sleep at night, so I can't take a morning job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually a part of the solution. So, yeah, it's, it's quite amazing how, insomnia can work its way into so much of our lives and really affect our decision making and our planning you know just like you touched upon we can change jobs or look for specific jobs because we have so much concern about how it might impact our sleep you know to have a regular kind of nine till five you might think oh there's no way i can do that or to have a job that has a lot of responsibility you might think there's no way i can do that um and all of these reactions, you know, they're completely understandable, but the problem is they end up mm-hmm. perpetuating the problem. You know, as you know, now you're able to look back on it and see that. Um, but it's kind of, it's almost counterintuitive because it makes sense that you want to do things to adapt, to make the situation easier. Little realizing that it's actually feeding into the problem, giving insomnia more attention, more of a role in our lives. And this tends to just make it stronger and have even more of a negative impact on our lives. Yeah. So before you found out about, you know, this magic bullet that we're going to be talking about, (laughs) these evidence-based cognitive and behavioral techniques, what kind of things had you done or had you tried in a bid to improve your sleep? Yeah. So when I was really little, um, like on the family vacations and stuff, I would take, my parents would give me like Advil PM Mm -hmm. or, you know, Benadryl or whatever it was, Drama Man, you know, those things, Mm ZQL. And they worked to an extent. Um, I started off with chamomile tea and Mm -hmm. it has taken me a very long time to like chamomile tea again because it would remind me of the anxiety I would have going to bed. Um, and then, yeah. And same thing kind of happened with like those little medications that induce drowsiness. Um, I would just start associating them with anxious nights. So they stopped working. And then in college, what did I do? Um, I think in college I started to take supplements because I was studying, you know, I was a health pre-health professional Mm -hmm. and, um, so I was working at Whole Foods as an intern in their headquarters. And so the, um, I was working like kind of side by side with the dietitian and she was like, Oh, like these supplements. And so I would get a lot of good advice, like expert advice on supplements. And I took mm-hmm. those and I think it was placebo if any of them worked, cause they would all eventually stop working. And I always took melatonin too in college and I think that actually perpetuated the problem too. Um, Cause I didn't know how to take it. I didn't know that like you should take it like at the same time anyways. But um, anyways, and then after that I switched to prescription pills, like right around when I was graduating college. Um, and those always scared me, but I was like desperate and then they didn't even work. So I was like, all right, something's gotta mm-hmm. give here. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, our good friend sleep hygiene? Is that something you'd heard of or or tried out? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, Everything. So like warm milk, warm baths, exercise. So the time I lost my job, I was actually living in um, the ski mountains in Colorado. And I was skiing every day. And I was getting tons of sun because in Colorado, it's always Mm. sunny and you know, wearing myself out with physical activity and I was always eating healthy and I still would pull all-nighters randomly. Um, And there didn't seem to be a rhyme or reason. It wasn't times that I was stressed or whatever. It would just happen. So, um, so yeah, I did it all. I never, ever had a TV in my room. I mean, I gave up using my phone before bed long, long ago. Mm -hmm. Um, There was nothing else to do. (laughs) Yeah. You know, 
that's the the big problem with sleep hygiene is by the time you've got chronic insomnia it's too late for any of that stuff you know it's more preventative stuff um, that can be helpful if you're maybe just burning the candle at both ends and not prioritizing sleep but people with insomnia they are prioritizing sleep right um, they're mm, trying to much. get more sleep yeah perhaps too much right you're putting that yeah. effort into sleep and the problem with sleep hygiene is it can just lead to even more sleep effort you can have this huge long ritual of things that you're doing from night to night like setting the thermostat to a certain temperature making sure yeah. your sheets are a certain material or set or comfortable making sure there's not even a shred of light entering your room um, and it could just lead to even more attention and focus on sleep and sleep effort mm -hmm. and you know and we know that sleep hygiene isn't helpful for people with chronic insomnia but because that's the the most easily available and accessible information out there that's usually the first thing that people with insomnia try and then when it yeah. doesn't work we can then worry that you know there's something really uniquely wrong with us because hey this sleep hygiene and this kind of first treatment or this first suggestion that we're hearing about i'm trying it and i'm st i'm still not seeing any results right and i wonder if there's anyone that it does help yeah you know i think i think maybe it might help people that are kind of burning the candle at both ends um they kind of want to have that the best opportunity for sleep but they don't struggle with sleep okay so um i like to use this analogy that it's a bit like you know say brushing your teeth you know we brush our teeth to keep them healthy and strong but once we've got that filling but once we've got that cavity it doesn't matter how much we brush our teeth you know we need okay. something else by that point mm -hmm. so it's really like sleep hygiene is kind of preventative it might help people that don't really have a problem with sleep that are just looking to optimize perhaps but mm -hmm. i think that when it comes to people with insomnia i'm increasingly coming to the opinion that it can actually be more harmful than helpful because it just right. adds more kind of sleep efforts and can just lead to the development of so many rituals which really aren't helpful when it comes to improving sleep right and you know and going back to what you were saying about you know the the supplements and the pills sometimes they work sometimes they don't you know i think the reason why they're never effective over the long term is just because they they just don't get to the root cause the root problem which is the thoughts and the behaviors that we have in response to sleep disruption that perpetuate the problem. Um, right. So they can, whether it's a placebo or whether there is actually something happening, they can kind of lower that initial barrier to sleep, which is often kind of arousal related, whether it's actual worry or anxiety or just self-monitoring for sleep, putting effort into sleep, that kind of thing. So they can kind of lower that barrier. Um, but regardless of whether we're taking pills or not, all the sleep that we get is always being generated by us, always. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of supplements and pills, they can kind of lead us down this slippery slope of believing that we can only sleep with them. Um, and maybe that's true in the very short term, but they're never a long-term solution because they don't address the perpetuating factors behind insomnia and they can make us believe that we can't sleep without them you know and that's really not helpful over the longer term yeah and i mean i'm i'm only 27 so i had maybe one or two drawers full of everything i've tried wow you know of yeah. like i mean over the years because mm -hmm. i'll take a few of the bottle and then it'll i'll just be like oh i'll save it for next time i have an insomnia episode yeah. or whatever maybe like valerian root and something that the chiropractor gave me and something that you know whatever they would just stockpile and it was a it was something i was noticing like okay if this one didn't work and that one didn't work like it's i'm not gonna just eventually find the one that works and it was just crazy to see my drawer full um and realize like the answer can't be in there <laughs> yeah you know. and, yeah and you can kind of end up down that rabbit hole right where you're trying something for a little while seems to work until it doesn't work and then that just leads to this scramble to look for something else yeah and then maybe that will work for a little while until it doesn't work and then you're looking for something else so you're just always looking you know that yeah that worry and that arousal and just that stress of just having to feel as though you're always 
trying to think one step ahead for what you can do when that next thing stops working. It just right. is so stressful and just that in itself can just be disruptive to sleep. Yeah. And I guess on the spectrum, like thinking about my parents and how they're still kind of on that train, they didn't go to the extreme like I did, like really gun ho about trying to find the right solution or the healthiest solution or the most sustainable. Mm -hmm. But because they didn't go to that extreme, um, they're not, I guess it's a good and a bad thing. They're not as stressed about their sleep, but at the same time, they're going to keep going down that hole. Like they didn't find their long-term solution. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it's, it's really difficult. You know, I'm not sure what the, the best solution or the best way to combat that is. I think we just need to get the information out there that there is a better alternative yeah. to all these things that aren't really helpful over the long term. You know, and these things are these evidence-based cognitive and behavioral yeah. techniques because they address the thought processes that can perpetuate insomnia and they address the behaviors that we usually implement in a bid to improve our sleep but kind of backfire and make it harder for our sleep to recover and do what it wants to do all by itself. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, I took your course two years ago and I remember emailing you or texting you when I was losing my mind um, being like, why didn't, why hasn't this been posted out there? Like, why don't more people know about yeah. this? You know, if this is what works, why are we first reading about valerian root or warm mm -hmm. milk before we read about CBTI? Yeah. It just, it wasn't, it didn't seem fair to me, but so I'm all about getting the information out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Well, so, so let's talk about that. You know, so you started working with me, like, like you just said about two years ago. Um, so when I start working with clients, they typically will be filling out a sleep diary so we can just see what your sleep is like at the current time. And I remember that when I got yours back, it, were, it showed that you were averaging about five hours of sleep each night, um, mm. but you were spending roughly nine hours in bed at yeah. night. Um, and so, you know, that big difference actually between time spent in bed and time allotted for sleep um, is, is quite common with people with chronic insomnia. Um, at that time, you know, when you were doing that, if you can think back, did you think that spending nine hours in bed, you know, might help you get more sleep? Did you see it as something that was helpful or did it ever occur to you that that might be um, not quite so helpful? The opposite. I always thought it was helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is just I'm raised, you know, not, not even my parents, but being in health promotion, um, you know, at school, it, UT health or at UT um, in Austin, we would always tell people, you know, go to bed early, get good sleep. And it's like, and my parents would tell me, go to bed early. You know, you didn't sleep last night, go to bed early tonight. And so um, that's always the added pressure. And so you think you're doing the right thing by going to bed early, I guess. Yeah. And it, it is really common, you know, just as I, just as I suggested, it's, it's very rare that I get a sleep diary back from a client and the amount of time they're spending in mm. bed is quite similar to the amount of sleep they're getting. And that's completely normal. You know, we want to get more sleep. So it sounds completely logical that we would therefore spend more time in bed. Um, right. But when we have, when we're struggling with sleep over a long period of time, all that really does is just guarantee a lot of time awake during the night, mm -hmm. whether that's means more time to fall, take, it takes us more time to fall asleep or we wake up and then find it hard to fall back to sleep. Um, yeah. So I think when I got that first diary back from you, you know, we discussed a lot less time for sleep. And since you were averaging about five hours, I think we suggested starting with about six hours. Actually, I, I think it was less. I think I was averaging like four and a half. I want to say we started with like five or five and a half. And I was like, oh man, that's low. But I remember it was, it was probably somewhere between four and a half and five hours. I, I don't usually suggest people a lot less than about five and a half hours for sleep. Yeah. Um, but certainly five and a half could have been something that, that we were talking about. So yeah. what, what was your initial reaction to that? Did it feel like, you know, I was angry, sound, angry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I was angry. I remember, so yeah, before I found you, I, I had talked to a therapist about sleep and mm -hmm. she was like, 
well, what if tonight you just don't sleep? And I was like, really? And she was like, you know, that's not the reaction you're supposed to have when someone tells you you don't have to sleep. But um, I had had so much pressure on myself to sleep. But ironically, when you told me, you know, you can only be in bed for five and a half hours, I was like, oh, God, I'm going to (laughs) die. But um, yeah, I mean, I did not, I didn't expect it. So, but you did it, right? So why, what was it you felt, you know, that was a big, you felt angry, you know, that you, you were maybe a bit confused as to how this makes sense. How could spending less time in bed improve my sleep? How did you get your head around this and actually decide to give it a try? I think you had like a lecture on there that explained it. Mm -hmm. And it was like making associations with your bed and, your body and your mind are associating your bed with um, anxiety. And that was a hundred percent true for me. I couldn't even deny that. Um, So I agreed, you know, with what you had to say, I was just, and I, and I believed that it could work. I was just, I don't know. I mean, clearly we just, and people with insomnia have a lot of emotions when it comes to sleep and it's precious, but like you can't get there. And, So when you say you can only be in bed for five and a half hours and my goal is to optimize my health, well, that to me seems counterintuitive, but with a little bit more explanation and like working through the course and like learning a little more and seeing it on my diaries, uh, it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. You know, because the way I like to frame it is, well, what you're doing right now is obviously not working for you or it's not helpful because we wouldn't be talking, we wouldn't be working together. Um, Mm -hmm. So how about just even just running it as an experiment for a couple of weeks, Um, Mm -hmm. just allotting an amount of time for sleep that's a little bit less than now, but that's still longer than your average nightly sleep duration. You know, so you can see just from that alone that we're not going to be reducing the amount of sleep you get. Um, Right. All we're going to be doing is just, reducing the amount of time you spend awake in bed which is not pleasant you know it doesn't feel good um whilst at the same time building up this really strong sleep drive during the day right um and that will really help improve sleep at night um especially if you can recognize that worry or anxiety or self-monitoring is interrupting sleep the stronger your sleep drive gets during the day the easier it is to overpower all that and Mm -hmm. the easier it then becomes to sleep so you decided to give it a go and i think you see after the first week um suddenly boom you were like falling asleep significantly faster i think Mm -hmm. when i was looking at your sleep diaries before this call um it went to around half an hour um sleep onset Mm -hmm. instead of two and a half hours Mm -hmm. um but, you know, your average nightly sleep duration was still about the same. That hadn't changed. Um, so that's what it was. I, then I think we suggest tightening up that sleep window a little bit more to five and yes. a half hours. Yeah, that's, okay. it, that's what it was. Yeah. So we started at okay. six. You saw great that results. You started falling asleep significantly faster. So maybe you had a little bit more confidence. So maybe I felt the time was right to suggest, well, how about maybe we tighten the sleep window up just a tiny mm-hmm. little bit more? Um, so how are you feeling at that point? You know, a couple of weeks in, you saw that you were starting to fall asleep really quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Were you feeling good because you were falling asleep significantly faster or were you still frustrated that, hey, I'm still only getting like four and a half, five hours of sleep here? Yeah, um, it was such a crazy roller coaster for me. I remember that I was happy and frustrated and relieved and anxious you know like all these things were going on because I was trying to shit like a total paradigm shift from my old way of thinking um so I do remember when you said you know you have to stay out of bed longer but you framed it in a way of like this is a great time for you to like catch up on things that you didn't have time for you know then I was like, okay, this is good. Like I can turn my flaw into like a, um, I don't know, a pro or whatever, yeah. um, something good. And then, um, so, yeah, so it was just like a, 
a roller coaster of, oh, like I can see the good in this. And then, oh, this sucks because I was very happy to see on my sleep diary that, you know, yes, I was in bed shorter, but oh my God, I was sleeping the whole time I was in bed. Like Mm -hmm. that had never happened to me. And I never thought it was possible either. I always associated like shorter bedtime with shorter sleep time. Yeah. Um, so that was exciting. But then I also remember, you know, I was just so ready to know that this program worked Mm -hmm. for sure. And for the long run that I would often get skeptical, like, Oh, why am I still only going to bed for five and a half hours? What if I like, what if tonight is my eight hour night? I kind of just want to take advantage of that and go to bed for eight hours because Martin doesn't know my brain and it might sleep tonight, you know? So it was, God, I wish I could tell myself, you know, Hey, it's fine. Just listen to him and it's going to fix you for the long run. But at the time you don't know for sure if it's going to work. So you're kind of like, what if I can sleep tonight? I want to take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it can be, everything you've said is so completely understandable. And I think a lot of people are going to relate to it. Um, Especially with, you know, I can't read what's going to happen tonight. Maybe if I didn't only spend five and a half hours in bed, maybe I would get eight hours of sleep. Um, But the issue is, you know, you've known from experience from the past years and years and years, it's probably unlikely that you would get that much. Maybe you will, um, but probably not based on what you know. So sometimes it can be helpful to just take that slightly more structured approach, you know, and just yes. be filling that sleep window with sleep feels really good. And you will get back to that point where you start to a lot more time for sleep as and when you're filling up that sleep window so that you, the overwhelming majority of the time you spend in bed is spent asleep instead of awake. Um, and as you start to fill that sleep window, you know, you feel better, you feel less worried, less anxious. And as a result, you tend to sleep yeah. better and then you can extend out the sleep window some more and eventually get to that point where we want to get everyone to, where you're not really thinking about sleep anymore, worrying about yeah. sleep. And yeah. you go to bed when you're sleepy and get up when you've got to get up. Yeah, it, it really was. The key was, I mean, there were so many keys in your course. Like I can't say it was one thing or another thing. Um, but a major key was the schedule, you know, being consistent. And you would tell me that like, cause I would, I remember I would text you like, can I please extend it another, you know, hour or something. You'd be like, you can add 15 minutes. And I was like, ah, but, um, yeah, like the consistency and like to the, to the quarter hour, um, you know, it, it only lasts a few weeks. Um, so I would say this to anyone who's considering doing the sleep restriction in the course, like I would take the short-term frustration or the short-term pain for the long-term gain because it, it really did work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a, that's a phrase I like to use, the short-term pain for the long-term <laughs> gain, because especially in those first few weeks, um, not everyone gets those really fast results like you did, you know, especially like with that sleep onset in the first two weeks for it to just fall so dramatically. Um, but at the same time, you're putting in all that, all that effort, you know, you feel like maybe you're depriving yourself of this opportunity to sleep. And if you're not getting results right away, it can be hard to stay confident and stay committed to what you're doing. Um, yeah. And so that can be a helpful little reminder, you know, just get through that short-term pain to get these long-term results, these long-term gains that you're looking for. Yeah. So, you know, going back to your experience, um, after after like five weeks, um, again, you were seeing some really good improvements on an average night. You're falling asleep within about 10 minutes at that point compared to, just to remind you, like two and a half hours when, when you're mm-hmm. allotting like nine hours for sleep. Um, and you are averaging a little bit over six hours of sleep each night. So you're mm-hmm. getting more sleep as well. And your sleep efficiency was 91%, which basically just means 91% of the time you were spending in bed was spent asleep. Mm-hmm. which is great, you know, because as yeah. you touched upon, it also reinforces this association between the bed and sleep and not right. unpleasant wakefulness. Right. Um, um, but then I think if I remember uh, about a month after the course ended, after the eight-week course, um, you were back to 
like four and a half hours of sleep and a long sleep onset times. Do you, do you remember that? Like what happened there with that setback? I do remember that. And it was the quickest, it was such a quick fix. Like something reminded me of like those key things that I learned, like don't get in bed. You know, it was just refresher information that I needed. So like, don't get in bed early if you're trying to get a better night's sleep or like try to enjoy like relaxing activities before bed or don't call yourself an insomniac. You know, like these, mm-hmm. these key thought changes and behavior changes, I just needed a refresher and like a reminder that they work. Like a month at the end of the course, um, you were saying that, you know, you, you were going through a period of short sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you got it back on track again. And then it was about a year after you finished the course, you reached out to me and you said, I started to struggle. Um, any tips or advice? Like, what, what can I do? And we spoke a little bit about temporary sleep disruption from time to time is always going to happen. It's a normal part of life. Ultimately, it's just how we react to them. So right. because insomnia okay. is perpetuated by our thoughts and behaviors, as long as we can make sure that we avoid those perpetuating thoughts and behaviors, sleep will almost always get back on track by itself. I think this is a good point to, you know, back to my point and your point of short-term pain, long-term game. It's not super linear. You know, you don't just go from here to here. It's like, but that's kind of the best part because that's when you know it works and like it is long-term. So like, I think my, you know, success was kind of like this. But now, you know, 27-year-old Annifer sees 25-year-old Annifer and those thoughts get reinforced of, I've overcome this. Yeah. You know, like I'm kind of doing my own CBT over time um, because when when you're a month out of the program, yes, you did the program and you put in the work, but you still have these thoughts that are like, what if I didn't overcome this? You don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that future me was going to be sleeping great and that that changed everything. Um, For all I knew, it was a temporary fix. And Mm -hmm. I think that good refresher of like, don't fall back into those thought patterns. And I guess I needed two refreshers, you know, um, kept me going and kept me like, even though I was falling, it kept me improving to the point where I could convince myself like, oh, I don't have insomnia. I sleep great. And then those thoughts reinforce themselves forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good point because once you know from experience that there are things that you can do that will improve your sleep, um, you know, these techniques like allotting an appropriate amount of time for sleep, um, going to bed when you feel sleepy rather than what time it is on the clock, um, things like that. When, you know, when you know from experience that they work, you've got that, you've learned those skills and you know they're effective, you can kind of just re-implement them again anytime yeah. you find yourself struggling. Like they really are just lifelong skills. You just become like your own coach, right? You don't need mm-hmm. anyone else. You've just got yeah. that self-empowerment and you know exactly what to do um, to improve the situation should sleep issues recur in the future. Yeah. And the best thing about these tools or behaviors is that if anything, they, they're they like, fun to implement because they're like, Hey, don't stress about sleep. Go live your life, you know? So it's not like, I don't know, I guess I'm going to compare it to a diet. Like if I do a short-term diet and then the person's like, okay, you can always implement these practices again later. It's like, Oh, I have to give up pizza again. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, um, with, with the sleep restriction and the cognitive behavior therapy with insomnia, you get to re-implement these behaviors that help you go out and live your life, that help you like say yes to going out and socializing and not focusing on sleep. Or, you know, you can stay up reading as long as you want and mm-hmm. put your your bedtime can come second. Just wake up and fulfill your next day again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you made a really good point there about living our daytime lives and having fun during the day because it it's so easy for us to just adapt our life or try and compensate for a difficult night um, or kind of modify our days in response to difficult, difficult nights. Um, 
you know, just as you kind of touched upon right at the start of this discussion where you changed career, you would look for different jobs to try and accommodate your insomnia. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we might just do relatively minor things like you have a bad night, so then you won't go out to the movies with friends the following night. Um, exactly. Or you won't even make plans, let alone go, because you're concerned how it might impact your sleep or how you might be if you go to the movie, if you'll be like a zombie or something like that. Um, but every time we do that, we kind of remove that opportunity to have good moments, you know? So not only does it have a negative impact on our quality of life, but it kind of guarantees that sleep has a negative influence in our lives because we're just not giving ourselves yeah. the opportunity to have good moments in our days. Yeah. So it's a fun long-term toolkit to tap into when you need it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just think that discussing these ups and downs and the setbacks along the way is, is helpful because they're normal and they're to be expected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're not expecting setbacks, if you are just kind of expecting or putting pressure on yourself to have that completely perfect linear progress of every single night, every single week is better than the last, um, you can really kind of stress out and become really concerned when you experience a bad night or a string of bad nights. You know, the insomnia is back. Nothing I'm doing is working. I'm beyond help. Mm -hmm. I'm back to square one. Um, I think you kind of already touched upon this, but did you have those same kind of worries and thoughts, you know, when you experienced yeah. those little blips? And All right, so what advice would you give to someone who, has experienced the same, or maybe they're just currently experiencing a setback right now listening to this? Um, so if they're taking your course, have pity and mercy on Martin, because I would, <laughs> I remember I would send you texts like I was losing hope and I didn't believe that it was going to work. And uh, you were very kind to me and patient and you responded very well. But if you're experiencing setbacks and you're getting angry and impatient and um, you're doubting the program or you're doubting um, the sleep restriction, that is part of success. <laughs> so, yeah, because it, it was very hard to do. Yeah. And even with, even with me doubting it and even with me like riding out my setbacks, I still experience success. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not going to tell you just avoid setbacks because, or like avoid getting frustrated because you're going to get frustrated and thank God Martin's going to be nice to you. <laughs> I, re I really like how you said, you know, having the doubt is part of the process. I think that's really powerful, you know, because it's so easy to kind of be hard on ourselves when we have that doubt, you know, why do I feel so doubtful? Why do I feel negative? Why am I so pessimistic? But it's completely understandable because you've probably tried a million different things to improve yeah. your sleep and none have worked. So yeah, which those, is why I was shocked that this worked. Yeah. So those feelings are normal. Um, so I, I really like that having that mindset, you know, that this doubt and maybe the occasional frustration is part of the process can be really helpful. Yeah. At the current time, lots of people are experiencing sleep disruption, maybe people that have never experienced sleep disruption before um, because of everything that's going on, you know, with this coronavirus outbreak. Um, what is your sleep like at the current time? Have you been affected by what's going on in the world? What's a, what's a typical night like for you at, at the current time? Um, I go to bed probably at like 11 and wake up at 6.45 or 7. Mm -hmm. and one thing that has permanently stuck with me is waking up early has worked for me. Mm. You started that. And then I also had a, a clinical rotation in the hospital that I would have to be there at 6:30, and I was sleeping like a baby when I did that. Mm. Um, so it's possible that most people during coronavirus are experience poor sleep because they're waking up too late. But I would hate to say that and someone be like, no, I'm waking up super early and I still struggle with sleep because that was me. You know, you, yeah. you implement everything and it sucks to hear that something worked for someone, but it doesn't work for you. Mm -hmm. um, it only makes you feel worse. So if that didn't work for you, that's okay. But um, yeah, I do wake up early consistently because I learned that that helped me. And then um, I just, 
I don't know. I just don't stress too much about bedtime anymore. I think that also is key because I could be doing all the right behaviors, you know, textbook, correct behaviors and still stress about sleep at night. And then I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sleeping the way I am. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I do read before bed. I don't get on a Mm -hmm. computer. You know, I still have a little bit of sleep hygiene, but I don't freak out if I do watch a movie before bed or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it it comes down to those two things, you know, the thoughts and our behaviors. Um, And for a lot of people that are struggling with sleep, especially now with everything going on in the world is completely normal first and foremost, you know, because our sleep is sensitive to our overall well-being so when we are stressed um, at times of uncertainty it's normal for our sleep to be disrupted Um, and usually as we adapt our sleep will recover all by itself Um, but if it doesn't it's often because the way we think about sleep changes and our behaviors around sleep change and you've already used a great example of maybe we are then spending more time in bed or staying in later and this can apply if, you know, maybe we're working from home, maybe we've been furloughed, maybe we've lost our job. Um, so we don't have that structure to our day anymore. So we've got that temptation to just lie in in the morning. And then when we try and go to bed the following night, it's more difficult because ultimately we're not asleep anymore because we've not been awake for as long. But then that can lead to more worry. Now it's taking me time to fall asleep. And then it might be you're waking up during the night and it just triggers, you know, everything, all these more worries and all mm. these new behaviors to try and improve your sleep that kind of really just get in the way of what the body wants to do all by itself. And that's what tends to perpetuate the problem. Right. Very true. Same goes with, <laughs> let me just interject super quick with diet when um, somebody gains a little bit of weight and they freak out and then, you know, I just feel like that's the way weight cycling and yo-yo dieting happens too, is your body can fluctuate a little bit, but it's when you start to hone in and try and fix it, that's when it becomes an issue. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the, our sleep is very rarely the same from night to night. Um, even in people that have no issues with sleep, it's very rare that you're going to get the exact same amount of sleep every single night um, because sleep requirement varies really from even from night to night, depending on how our day has gone. Um, So, you know, one night we might get, let's say eight hours, one night we might get six hours and that could be completely normal. But if our sleep confidence is low, we can then worry about that difference you know kind of as you just alluded to and maybe think we're back to square one or that we should just throw in the towel and this isn't working um when it's perhaps not even unusual and it's just all part of the process very true yeah so what does life look like now you know compared to when you were struggling with sleep a lot of our attention is always on what goes on at night um, let, let's talk more about the days. Like, have you noticed changes in your daytime life or you just your outlook on the days and life in general? Well, I always used to think that I, so growing up, one of my best friends had cystic fibrosis <laughs> and I was like, well, I have insomnia, not to say that they were comparable, but I was always thinking like, that was my thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that like, everyone had to have something Mm -hmm. and um, and it's been amazing to free up that area in my brain that Mm -hmm. no longer has to, you know, search for insomnia cures or like set aside a budget for like, how am I going to, you know, fix it or whatever. Um, So there is like a lot of, free thinking space now. And I've noticed it, you know, Mm -hmm. like all this time I used to spend thinking about sleep or shopping for pills or looking for sleep doctors or whatever, talking about it. Um, I'm more interested like in my career now or, you know, in my dating life or my friends or yeah. Wow. That's great. So it almost sounds as though it's just ultimately just this almost like a weight off your shoulders. It's just something that's just, like you said, it's just freeing up your your life. You've got, you can use that time maybe spent thinking and worrying about sleep in 
not only more productive ways, but more enjoyable ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you for sparing your time to come on, come on to the podcast. I think a lot of people are going to really identify with your journey um, and hopefully it will help motivate some people, you know, to take steps to improve their sleep. Just as you got your sleep back on track, um, listening to your story, you know, there's no reason for other people to believe they can't do the same. Um, and that's why I think these, these discussions can just be really powerful. Um, but I do have one last question for you. And it's yeah. uh, one that I like to end all of these podcasts with. Um, if someone with chronic insomnia is listening and feels as though they've tried everything, that they're beyond help and that they can't do anything to improve their sleep, what would you tell them? That was me. <laughs> that was me 100%. And I can completely relate to that. Um, and I would 100% recommend the course. And you know that, Martin. I like wish that this course were more widely spread. And I wish it were more accessible to everyone. Um, I just got out of a master's in public health. And I'm like, can we promote CBTI, please? Yeah. Um, you know, instead we promote get eight hours of sleep. Right. So um, I know it's hard, but I would definitely at least try this. You've tried everything. Why not try this? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think everyone has it within them to improve their sleep. You know, we all have a natural ability to sleep. It never goes away. Um, it's just a case of having access to these techniques to help change the way you think about sleep and help you implement behaviors that just ultimately let your body take control of sleep again. You know, as soon as we kind of remove ourselves from the process, it tends to make sleep easier. Thank you so much for taking the time to come onto the podcast, Annifer. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Insomnia Coach podcast. If you're ready to implement evidence-based cognitive and behavioral techniques to improve your sleep, but think you might need some additional support and guidance, I would love to help. There are two ways we can work together. First, you can get my online coaching course. This is the most popular option. My course combines sleep education with individualized coaching and is guaranteed to improve your sleep. You will learn new ways of thinking about sleep and implement better sleep habits over a period of eight weeks. This gives you time to build sleep confidence and notice results without feeling overwhelmed. You can get the course and start right now at insomniacoach.com forward slash online. I also offer a phone coaching package where we start with a one hour call. This can be voice only or video, your choice, and we come up with an initial two-week plan that will have you implementing cognitive and behavioral techniques that will lead to long-term improvements in your sleep. You get unlimited email-based support and guidance for two weeks after the call, along with a half-hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep. <laughs>